course, is Warren Johnson. Well, super nerdy pet peeve uh, of mine, Nick Picky. I-, I don't think he should have been hopping over the top rope like a uh, parkour champion. You got me mad now. What is your name? As always, with my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Facone. That's me. It doesn't matter what your name is. It ain't got a back ticket. I don't really know us like you think that you do. I'm Ryan Isley. What is he doing? Is he the third man? He's the third man. What the hell is going on here? Straight Shooters is, the, I believe, the number one show on Wildfire Radio. I'm feeling good. No sleep, no food, no nothing. Maniacism. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit. Of, let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. What actually happened on the show? Nothing. Give me a hell yeah! I said, give me a hell yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there, and welcome. Episode 243 of the Straight Shooters, available on a wide variety of platforms out there on the internet. My name is Vaughn Johnson, joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick McCona, Philly Voice, and Philly Influencer. We have another fantastic show ahead of us tonight. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, including our memorable, most memorable, or some of our favorites, double champions, and in some cases, triple champions in wrestling history. And we might talk about you know, some current stuff, maybe a little bit of a rating stuff that's going on right now, if you're so inclined, Nick. Uh, but before we get into any of that, uh, Nick, I got to check in with you, my good brother. How, how's it going tonight? How you doing? I'll give you two guesses as to what is currently on my television to my right right now as we record this. Um, something from WWF 1995. <laughs> that is incorrect. What? Uh, so not Livewire or Mania? Nothing no, like that? None of that? No, no, nope. Hmm. Phillies? Yeah, there you okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm jazzed up, man. I am jazzed up. I'm not one to really, uh, you know, like I'm not as active on Twitter as I was years ago. And uh, I mean, I will say like I, I look for like the funny stuff to post on Twitter or whatever. I don't live tweet every single like sporting event um i don't live tweet raw anymore or smackdown whatever i just kind of like throw up on twitter whatever i uh am feeling at the time or if you know my job uh relies on it last night i was watching like the philly stream they finally started streaming their inner squad games uh in the spring training 2.0 so kind of got kind of got the juices flowing a little bit um, it's definitely going to be different. It's def- it definitely already feels different, and it's going to feel different when the games actually matter. But via I YouTube, ask, I have the Phillies versus the Phillies, and it's a great sight. I was going to ask, is it different watching it without fans? I mean, it has to be well, somewhat different, right? Because well, yeah. baseball is more of a quiet sport anyway, so you kind of hear like, just this murmur right. throughout the game. You're yep. not hearing like constant noise throughout, but complete silence and the lack of fans in the stands period it has to be kind of weird right yeah it, it's uh it was weird yesterday a little bit I, I don't have the sound on right now but i mean you, you do have the commentary going on i don't know what's going to happen with that whole uh artificial noise that you know they're talking about about having fans kind yeah, of make weird, their actually. own chance or whatever either. but uh 
it's going to be really weird seeing like a walk off hit with like no the only home team the home team the only one cheering and it's just going to be awkward but um you know hopefully this is the beginning of uh get, getting through this pandemic with everyone uh i don't think it's absolutely necessary i honestly think all the sports leagues should have just shut down but um at least the fact that they're doing this it gives me something uh to watch other than whose line is it anyway or wwf <laughs> or wwf 1995 look I'm torn on it. You know, I, I work for a sports team, so I'm yeah, like, my yeah, personal stuff. livelihood's at stake. If we don't play games, who knows what happens? That's a territory I don't want to walk down. Right. Um, but I'm like you. Like, we got to keep everybody safe, too. You know, uh-huh. I can't be saying WWE and AEW should shut down, but, like, we need football back. Like, it's, it's I'm torn, honestly. I'm honestly torn. Because, like I said, I got personal interest in these games being played. I'm sure... Uh, our livelihood as a football team would be better if we are playing games. Yeah. And that's, uh, it, it makes it tough because you don't want to come across as be like, I don't care about, you know, the people that are getting sick or susceptible to getting sick. That has nothing to do with it. it it's the, like, of course we're worried about the safety and of everyone and, and all that, but also, you know, livelihood does matter as well. And, uh, for our own, you know, mental sake and all that. So, um, you know, I've been out here applying for different types of positions uh, throughout the course of the last few months just because I haven't been working. Um, and maybe come September that'll change, hopefully, uh, whether it's virtual or, or not. But it's just a crazy time and very unprecedented. So uh, hopefully year many many years from now i'll be able to tell my grandkids how crazy this was and hopefully it's uh history doesn't repeat itself that's the hope but you know i mean we've had pandemics before unfortunately yeah about a hundred years ago we had a yeah. pandemic i mean we had one not that long ago the h1n1 right yeah. that wasn't nearly like this obviously this right was, this is way different this is right. a global pandemic that's going to be written about history books for decades to come but yeah. Uh, you know, a hundred years ago, what was the Spanish flu? I, yeah. I think that's what it was, right? Yeah. So, and, uh, I mean, just crazy. Hey, you know, it sucks, but you know, like we said, let's keep everybody safe. Uh, speaking of sports, though, I, was, I watched, I have watched MLS games, and I'm not just watching MLS because of the pandemic. I actually did watch <laughs> MLS before the pandemic. I uh, checked it out here and there, and I watched the TBT, the, the basketball tournament. I don't know if you yeah if I've, with that. I've, kind of saw it but not not didn't watch it too much but i, I will say it. it reminds me of like a rec league like i play flag football on the weekends not not now but like i have in the fall i'll hopefully will do so in the fall this year i played softball with my, with my job and stuff like that last spring um so like there's nobody around but i don't stop anybody from being super competitive and like cheering and like going yeah we did it and whatnot that's what like these MLS games feel like. Like there's no one in the stadium or on the field, but like when they score a goal, them dudes are celebrating. <laughs> no yeah. matter. Yeah. So I think that's still like it just goes to the competitiveness of like human beings. Like they don't need necessarily people in the stands. And you know you pref- obviously prefer people in the stands, uh, especially at, like you know we're a wrestling podcast. The fans are vital to wrestling. I think people are realizing that now how important wrestling the fans are when it comes to wrestling, but. 
And these MLS games, these dudes still going hard. It's just like, it looks like, I was watching it, I think, last Wednesday after our podcast, I believe. And it was like, this is like a Wednesday night rec league in Philly somewhere, like <laughs> PSL, something like that. Like, <laughs> like that's yeah. what it is right now. But these guys are the best, among the best in the world. Like, that's all it is. <laughs> like, but, you know, different times, different mm-hmm. uh, circumstances. Hopefully, we'll all get through it. We are still here, despite the pandemic, giving you uh, one sometimes two, maybe three hours of quality content a week. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not going to be three hours tonight. But uh, we are back again, giving you some quality content. Before we get into our discussion about our top or most memorable double champions in the world of professional wrestling, because right now we got quite a few in uh, wrestling right now. We got Bailey Dose Belts, mm-hmm. the SmackDown Women's Champion, and the one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. We got Evil. Evil is the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Champion. No one saw that coming in 2020. But 2020 has been a terrible year overall, so it's no surprise that someone named Evil is, like, taking (laughs) over the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the leader of the best wrestling company in the world right now, too, in my opinion. In your opinion, okay. (laughs) Some people out there, but (laughs) AEW! WWE! Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't wait for those tweets to come at me. Oh, yeah, they'll come. They'll come. They'll be here. Um, You'll be like the, what's the, was it Game of Thrones when Jon Snow unsheathed the sword with all the people Uh, at him? That's you. Yeah. One of my favorite gifts of all time, actually. Oh, it's a great gift. Yeah. Great gift. But um, before that, I wanted to talk about. Uh, ratings, because we haven't talked about ratings here in a while. No. You declared the Wednesday Night War dead, so why would we? I did. I did. <laughs> and that was many weeks ago, months ago, before the pandemic, I declared it dead, right? <laughs> Maybe right at the beginning. Yeah, I, it was around then. A little before. Obviously, it's not dead, because AEW, or NXT, I should say, has won the overall viewership battle, I think, the last three weeks. Yep. Right? It was both great yeah, and bad and the week before that. Yeah, we're recording this on July 15th, so it's been three weeks in a row. AEW and NXT air tonight, so that's not going to be, you know... Yeah, that could change. ...part of this, but yeah, three definitely right. three weeks in a row. Right. It could be four by the yeah. time you hear this, but at least three. And a lot of mud has been slung back and forth between fan bases and pundits <laughs> about the ratings. You got the demo. Oh, the demo's what really matters. Uh, Tony Khan's coming out saying that the demos really matters. I just find it kind of funny, though, because when WWE's ratings have been dipping for the last, I don't know, <laughs> for years now, mm-hmm. no one ever talked about how much they still were pretty good in their demo, even though they're falling off a little bit in the demo, too. But that 18 to 49 demo, which is the key demo to advertisers, uh, no one was talking about those demos. They were just talking about the fact that those ratings, those overall views are falling, which is true <laughs> like yeah. facts wwe's yeah. ratings are still going down <laughs> yeah but when AEW takes a couple l's which hey it happens it, i expected it to be back and forth a little more back and forth than what it has been over the course of what's it been now six to eight months since mm-hmm. we've been in this uh wednesday night war so to speak <laughs> i expected it to be more, more back and forth but AEW, for the most part has trounced a nxt on a weekly basis outside of the last couple weeks uh, but as soon as that comes up, it's like, the demos, though. It's really about the demos. I'm like, all right, we get it. I, I understand that. But it doesn't mean that, you know, they haven't lost the overall viewership. When both, Here's my thing, though. Here's my biggest takeaway from it all. And I said this on Twitter last week. 
wrestling right now, pro wrestling as it is today, just don't have the juice right now. Point blank. When both shows, from an overall viewership standpoint, can't beat Guy's Grocery Games <laughs> on Food Network, Guy Fieri, which, let me say this, Guy Fieri, great guy, right, very philanthropic, great chef, and he has a couple great shows out there, let me, let me tell you right now, I like, I like the, uh, was it Diners, Drivers, and, and Dives, yeah, yeah. right, it's a great show, anytime that's on, I'm watching it, and Guy's Grocery Games, great show, bro, <laughs> I can't hold you, like, I like those shows, but those shows, as good as they are, should not be beating premier wrestling shows on TNT, which, let's face it, who doesn't have TNT? That's part of mostly every basic uh, cable package. Food Network is probably a part of most basic cable packages as well, but that's still more of a niche audience. But TNT has a little bit of everything. You got comedy, you got drama. The slogan was literally, we got drama, like, not that long ago. It might still be that way. Uh, They're going to have basketball coming back. They got, they had baseball, they got, so they got sports, they got drama, they got comedy, they got action. They got, there's more of a variety, so they're catered to a wider audience. And you're losing to guys' grocery games? <laughs> and I know it's kind of like a running joke on Twitter, but I don't think that should be happening in 2020. Me, that's just me. To a product like AEW and a product like NXT, even though it's not WWE's top product, still, it's still a premier show on a premier network in USA. I don't think those those have been live, first run, brand new pieces of content every week. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be losing to the guys' grocery games. And that's just to me, goes to my point that wrestling just don't have it right now, man. Like, as a, as a whole, not just, not AW, not NXT specifically, just pro wrestling in general. Because guess what's going to happen soon? The NBA's going to come back. Baseball's going to come back. NHL's going to come back. The MLS is already back. The tournament is literally called the MLS is back tournament. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, the NFL may or may not come back. We don't. Look, I have no inside information on that. The point is, though, when these big sports come back after a long layoff, they're going to dominate the ratings. The NBA, net comes back. On TNT, mind you. Their ratings aren't going to fall off. They're not going to see losses in viewership. The people are starving for basketball. It's, it's going to do well. So, when it comes like when it comes to wrestling, though, they're losing viewers during a time where people have nothing else to do besides sit at home. Like, <laughs> what else are they doing? Well, now it's the big uh, it's the big uh, talking point where. All these wrestling fans are now watching news channels, whereas I guess sports fans would look, not watch news channels. Look, I don't know about that. I, I feel like wrestling fans, like if you're a diehard wrestling fan, I don't know how much news they watch. They don't watch much right, else besides wrestling. Right, right. I don't know if that's the, the case. Even though I will say, those news, uh, those primetime news shows crush the ratings, right? Tucker yeah. Carlson, whether you believe in what he's talking about or not, crushes every every uh, every week or every night whatever he comes on he is like four or five million viewers a night rachel maddow all those other cnn shows whatever they destroy the ratings and they're going to kill even more now because of the pandemic and people want to know what in the world is going on and with the election coming up oh my god when the election (laughs) comes it's a wrap because when the last time let's look 
think about the last time the election hit and they was having those debates the same time as SmackDown oh, or the same yeah. time as a yeah. pay-per-view. It destroyed those shows. So it's going to happen again. Oh, my God. The election this year is going to be crazy, right, mm-hmm. as far as television. The, those, those debates, oh, my God. It's going to be nuts as far as viewership, right? Um, but what was I? I was talking about, oh, the fact that they've lost viewers during the pandemic when everybody's watching TV. They'd rather watch reruns of Impractical Jokers or, <laughs> or watch Netflix and look, look, don't get me wrong, Impractical I'm in Jokers. The, I'm in this tweet and show. I don't like it. <laughs> you don't like Impractical Jokers? No, no, it was, it was a joke. I, it was like, oh, I'm about to say. you ever see those, because uh, I'm sure I mentioned that. That's why I, I was like, I'm in this tweet and I don't like it. It's like that type of uh, meme, I guess, on Twitter. That uh, ah, I, was just, okay. I was just trying to make a joke. Sorry for it's a meme. I, I might have, I must have missed that meme. I'm sorry. <laughs> that joke went right over my head. I apologize, but. <laughs> but, but maybe I didn't set it up very well. I was uh, it just made me laugh when hey, he said impractical maybe jokers. It's, maybe it's my fault. That's, that's what I'm being, doing. That's what I'm doing. Maybe it's my fault for not being connected enough. I thought I was pretty connected on, out on these streets, on these Twitter streets, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a graphic where it's like I'm in this tweet and I don't like it or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Dude. I trust you. <laughs> I'm not uh, describing it very well, so yeah, I, 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 I apologize. Like it's one of those you had to have been there, right? I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, just funny because I was watching Impractical Jokers earlier today. Great show, man. Yeah, a couple of my favorite episodes came on today, so I was like, hell yeah. Who's the best Joker, by the way? Side note. Joe. Oh, Joe is by far, right? Yeah, yeah. Joe's, Joe's hilarious. All right. <laughs> I'm glad we agree <laughs> on that. But when it comes to, like, like I said, wrestling just doesn't have the juice right now. They should not be losing viewers in the middle of a pandemic when nobody's got nothing else to do right now but sit at home. Honestly, it's just... And it's not just AEW NXT who fluctuate from week to week. WWE and SmackDown, Raw and SmackDown, are losing viewers. Yeah. It's the top two shows. Now, if I'm a fan and I don't... If I'm or a peripheral fan, like on the outskirts, kind of peeking in from time to time, and I turn on SmackDown Friday night, and I saw that karaoke challenge... I would have kept the channel moving too. I hit the, the last button or the next channel. I would have kept on kept on moving. But yeah, it seemed so like the kind of thing they would do ten years ago, not not in twenty twenty. Not now, mm-hmm. but like and, and for as well as SmackDown, you can blame the content. The content is not great right now in Raw SmackDown, so that's an easy thing to point to. Like that's why those shows don't have good ratings. But when it comes to AEW NXT, those shows are good. Yeah. So what's the answer here? What's Good wrestling and a good show isn't going to bring the ma- to say the masses what it is, and we talked about this in the past as far as what's kind of preventing wrestling from being the big thing again, like it was in the late nineties. Not you know, and it's not bringing back the attitude there, but I'm talking like being back in the mainstream conscious, like it was twenty years ago, because it's just not there now. And I've talked about this in the past too. It's just like. Maybe having more people of color on top for a cons- more consistent period of time, not just here and there. Because I know right now they got a bunch of uh, champions that are people of color. I just mentioned a, uh, one or two: Sasha Banks, Bailey, mm-hmm. uh, Io Shirai, Oscar. Uh, there's a bunch, right? Paulo Cruz. Um, but Keith Lee. more consistent. Who? Keith Lee. Keith Lee, double champ. Yeah. We'll talk about. That's um, an illusion. 
But it needs to be more consistent, right? Because even with that said, the top two champions are still Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, look, no disrespect to them, but that's just what it is. Uh, but I think, so that's one thing I think that wrestling, and that's not just WWE, but AEW as well. It's not AEW off the hook. Um, more people of color at the top. But also, this is just, this might be a small thing in some people's minds, but I think it's a thing that if it's done from a, it's a concerted effort put in this, and it's done consistently, it may help. And that's the music choices that you hear on wrestling shows. Every theme song, well, not only the wrestlers' theme songs, but like every show theme song is a rock song. SmackDown has that ACDC song, which probably explains why WWE's median audience is like 55. Because <laughs> who, what's what's the uh, the main age frame of a big ACDC fan? Probably in the mid 50s. <laughs> like, yeah. AEW has a rock song. Raw, I think, has a rock song, right? I think. Um, NXT has a rock song. They all have rock songs. And it's yeah. always just kind of just. It's kind of the same aesthetic that we kind of felt, in the same vibe we kind of felt back in the 90s. Just with a fresh coat of paint and technology and stuff like that. And HD and whatnot. But like to me, it's like, what's the dominant form of music in, in 2020? And what, what's been the dominant form of music for, I don't know, 15 years? Hip hop. <laughs> it's been there for years. And if. Who's listening to hip hop a lot? The kids. Like, <laughs> you wonder why the median age for WWE is fifty five and not twenty five? Because they don't they, the music at least they use on their shows. And this again, this could be a small thing. This is something I've noticed, and I think it could help. But if they use more hip hop as far as the theme songs and the the show themes, I think it's a it's something just kind of change the vibe of the show a little bit. When WWE went out of their way to pay for an ACDC song, what stopped them from paying that same money to Drake, or to Megan Thee Stallion, or to Kendrick Lamar, or 21 Savage, or Lil Baby, or whoever? Some of the top rappers out there, Jay-Z even, if you want to go to Jay-Z. What stopped them from paying that same money to a rapper? And they've used rappers in the past, recent past. Wiz Khalifa, Machine Gun Kelly, Flo Rida. But again, those are like one-offs, real quick here, high and buy type of things. But they didn't. When's the last time you heard a Wiz Khalifa song on WWE? <laughs> but somehow they always find a way to get Flo Rida on, on a WrestleMania oh, theme man. song. I don't yeah. know how. Yeah. But again, more consistent with it. If you want to cater to the kids, get some hip hop in your show. And look, I don't want. I'm staunchly against. My culture, black culture being appropriated. But you look around and everybody's appro- everybody's using it in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not like WWE would be uh, you know, committing some something that hasn't been done before. You look at every sports team and you look at their highlight videos, right? Mm-hmm. I would venture to guess the majority of them have a rap song or a song that has rap influence. Even if it's like a generic song from Killer Tracks. It's a it's a beat like it's a rap beat, right? Not even like an actual song they paid for, right? Because I can tell you right now, the 49ers, before they went to the Super Bowl, their highlight, like their hype up video, they they used before the Super Bowl. The song they used on it was a Roddy Rich song. 
The Box. One of the biggest songs of 2020. They paid for that. I can tell you right now, the Eagles, we used Meek Mill a couple years ago in the song. We paid for his song. We used French Montana, I think, this past season. Teams are doing it. Sports teams. Because you're catering to an audience, a younger audience. How do you speak younger? Use hip-hop, bro. It's not even like, it's not even like a, I don't know if you can call it cultural appropriation. It's just doing what the kids are doing. Especially on social media. You know, I see Especially that. Especially on social media. Videos, you know, like with the soundtrack and it just, they're basically hype videos. Like, won't you want a hype video before your wrestling show? Like, I, I under, yeah, I absolutely get that. That, and then if you, if you go to TikTok right now, and I've been on TikTok mostly because it's part of my job. <laughs> Honestly, like, I don't know if TikTok, I probably at 31 has aged out of TikTok already. <laughs> but I'm on there a lot because of my job. And you listen to a lot of the songs and the sounds that these people are using. And for one, the median age of TikTok is somewhere in the teens, I think. Like, there's a very young audience on TikTok. It might have gotten older recently because of the pandemic. People are really discovering TikTok now. Hey, um, I, yeah. My sister's 38 and she became obsessed with it during the pandemic. Right. So I'm I, sure there's others. Before the pandemic, that probably wasn't the case, right? Nope, so it nope. was, it skewed really young before the pandemic. And you listen to a lot of these cre- content creators, and they're young. And they're like early 20s, mid 20s, and even teens. And a lot of the songs they use for their sounds on TikTok, because the sounds are very important. I don't know if you knew this, Nick. Sound is, the sound you use is a big deal on TikTok. Oh, okay. They're rap songs. No. A lot they're of what I see, I, I mean, a lot of what I see on TikTok is on Twitter. Um, and I've noticed that too. I don't, I, I think I might've made a TikTok account just so I can have one. So no one steals like my name, but, um, yeah, I'd never go on TikTok specifically. So I definitely see it on Twitter. So if you go on there, I, I like, definitely see my fair share and you're definitely speaking the truth. Look, if you go on there, you can get sucked in and be on there for an yeah. hour straight. Yeah. <laughs> And that's literally what they want you to do. They want you to be on there for a long time. I mean, that's what pretty much any platform wants anyway. They want the the average time of usage to be very high. But TikTok, you can, you can get sucked in, and it could be some hilarious stuff on there. <laughs> but back to my original point is that that's just one way I think pro wrestling could help itself become a little bit more hip and cool. Just a little bit. It's Stop with all these generic rock songs or the ACD. Which look, I like ACDC. This comes from a person I like ACDC. Okay, but that's the kids ain't rocking with ACDC right now. It's just not. Nope. They're not rocking with much rock right now. Period. It's a lot of hip hop, rap type of stuff. That's what's hot right now. There's so much stuff out there as far as rap and hip hop right now that I haven't heard just because I'm just not seeking it out. Like. It's, it's a whole scene that I'm probably not even privy to. I'm, I think I'm privy to a good amount, but there's so much more out there. All I got to do is kind of scratch the surface, and you'll be like, oh, they, WWE got a little bit of swag to them now. Because they ain't got none right now, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> no, you're not. And you're not going to have. Uh, it, it's like got to be part of the presentation. Like, you can't just right have like one character that's like that, and that's Mm-mm. it. Like, it's got to be part of the entire program, it's got to be consistent. Like I said, it's got to be concerted effort when it comes to not just wrestlers or the theme music they use. I'm talking about the shows. Yeah. And because they play that song throughout the show. When they 
put up pull up graphics and stuff like that with yeah. in and out of breaks, you hear those songs. And I'm and I've watched plenty of wrestling over the years. I know they do that. They still do it. When I see watch SmackDown, I hear that A C D C song a lot. Imagine if that was the baby. <laughs> you know? Would it turn off some of those fifty five year olds who, you know, don't like rap music, think rap is crap, like the West <laughs> Texas Rednecks? Maybe. Maybe. But you might open yourself up to a new audience, a younger audience, a more hip and cool audience that's like, think, yo, WWE, like I said, got a, that, got a little bit of swag to yeah. them now. Hold up, WWE, let me check y'all out. Then you'll see the karaoke challenge. Be like, oh, I'm turning this off. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you made that point that, uh, you know, if the younger audience get gets in there for WWE, especially, did, we talked about the demos earlier, that will advertisers will see that and be like, okay, there's more people willing to change their decisions and how they buy things. So we'll pay WWE more money f- for whatever key demo well, they hit. The over it's 50, not just WWE, though. I think, right. I think AEW could do, can use it, too. Like, AEW, you well, know, yeah, they're doing that, well that, in 18 to 49. They're doing well in that demographic. That's why they're, they're touting it. We're, we're winning yeah. NXT every week in a demographic. And they're right. And that's good. They're, they're off to a good start in that. But I think they could do themselves and WWE and AEW combined could do the wrestling business of a service by making it feel cool and hip again like it was in the 90s. In the 90s, it was about counterculture. And we're going to talk about this in a future episode when we cover the uh, WrestleMania Rage Party, right? Yeah. At some point. Yes. Which had a rapper on the show. Big pun, by the way. Yeah. But he didn't fit in that event <laughs> because that was not a rap show. That was a counterculture rock metal type of show but that's what wrestling was in the 90s this mm-hmm. is 2020 we're talking 20 years 20 years ago now it's a different vibe today where rock was still probably at the tail end i mean i don't want to say tail end but still holding on to like maybe being the quote-unquote dominant form of music in the world it's undisputed today what the dominant form of music in the world is today in 2020 it's hip-hop it's, it's not just here in America. It's literally everywhere. There are German rappers. There are British rappers. There's Irish rappers. I've seen them. I've heard them. There's some that are hot. And there's some that ain't so hot. But they're everywhere. <laughs> like, literally. You can listen to these songs all over the world. And you got guys, like I said, that are international stars. Drake is an international star. That man can't go anywhere in the world without people checking him out. Because he is the biggest star in the, big, in the most prominent form of music we have today and that is hip-hop so just a little bit of a free advice if you want to hire me as a consultant i'm willing to listen but he's at Alon m johnson on twitter right i mean i have a full-time job right now but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not against doing some side work but uh but yeah there's some free advice like they, and that's something like going. you brought up a good point i'm not sure that i've even seen that talked about on social media and if it has been you know i clearly have missed it but um, you raise a good point, and you know maybe the the entire landscape of like Wednesday night was when when AEW and NXT came to head to head was that wrestling was going to own the night, and clearly it doesn't, and there's a reason for that. I think you make valid points in that wrestling is just not hot, and then you say this could be a reason, maybe not the whole reason, but partly a reason, and it makes complete sense because like people just don't look at wrestling as cool anymore. And there's a reason for that. And the music behind it 
could absolutely be part of that. And, you know, that's something that I never really thought about before or delved into. But just listening to you, you know, list those those points, uh, you, it's pretty pretty eye-opening to me. So hopefully our listeners are, you know, feeling the same way. It's pretty pretty good stuff. And I think because a lot of people are in that wrestling bubble, we don't even think about uh, it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is just wrestling. But this is... This is something that's my live wire, my live wire 95 WWF bubble <laughs> <laughs> where everything was great. Everything was. And it had a lot of probably rap, rock or whatever music on there. But uh, <laughs> this is something that wrestling is lacking. If I'm looking at the first thing I'm thinking about wrestling is lacking and I'm, lis- I'm listening and watching. It's that type of music. And we're, and we're not vibe. talking about men on a mission either. We're not talking no, about no, that no, type no, of no. thing. <laughs> I'm talking about accomplished rappers and accomplished and the good music being permeated throughout your show. And it doesn't have to be necessarily top flight, top of the line acts. It could be, you could discover new ones. As long as it's hot, like if it's good, it could be lesser ones. It could be guys that got a, a hot song, but they aren't necessarily big names yet. But right. the song is kind of hot. And it's kind of picking up steam on the different streaming apps or whatever, on social media and whatnot. You know, like mm-hmm. the song of... Man, what's the name of that song? I was just listening to it earlier. Oh, man. I mean, you can even have rappers do theme songs for the superstars, and that that would, you know, for more than just one or two. Right, and if if you can do that, you got to work out the the, the whole, you know, financials of that. I don't know how that works. They they got got plenty of money. They got plenty of money. That is true. For WWE, at least, they ain't like they skipping on the money. I mean, I understand right now, it's a pandemic, and they, you know they're probably not looking to spend a ton of money. But on an ordinary circumstances, WWE is a multi-billion-dollar company. Stop playing. Like, oh, <laughs> the song I'm talking about is called "Address It" by LPB Pootie. <laughs> All right, that's his name. It's a hot song. You don't know who that kid is yet, but the song is hot. That's all I'm saying. Something like that. Anything. It's just something. Just get a little bit more swag about your product man that's the big thing right now like i said it's not like it's exclusive to just i'm not i'm not just i'm not speaking out of term i'm speaking from experience because like i said you look at any other sports team out there football basketball look at their highlights and all the terms they use come from either it's come from hip-hop and all the copy a lot of the copy they use come from black twitter and so hey look man like it's not like it's not being done and again, not for cultural appropriation, but it's being done everywhere. <laughs> it's not like it's there's some uh, you know WWE with a forerunner in that. I'm not I'm not unveiling some big secret. And when it comes to skewing younger, the kids drive what's cool, cater to them. I don't even at 31, I'm probably not the uh, determined you know guys that should be determining what's cool and what's not because. I'm, look, I'm even at 31. I'm kind of washed, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, like there's kids out there who are on, they got their finger more on the pulse than I do. Now, I, look, it's my job to keep up with this stuff as much as I can. Don't get me wrong, and I try to do it, but I gotta. I'm getting. I'm going to get to a point in like maybe five, ten years when I'm actually rely on my daughter and her friends, or <laughs> my niece or nephew, whoever, to. Like, yo, what's what's happening? Like, what's popping right now? Like, there's a 31 yeah, yeah. Savage? Who's 31 Savage? Like, like, 
It is it is humorous when my nephews are kind of like, wait, you know this? And it's like something that they think. And I'm only 34, and they, they it's just funny how that works. Hey, man. We wash, bro. Like, yeah. this is this is what it is. <laughs> I come to terms is. a long time ago, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> hey, hey, being in your 30s, it's actually pretty great. Like, you get to a certain level of maturity. You feel, at least I do, at least. At least I have. I'm speaking for myself here. Mm-hmm. You feel more, a little comfortable, comfortable in your skin. Being in your 20s, it's a roller coaster ride. <laughs> tell you. Yeah. My okay. 20s was very much up and down like a roller coaster. It's like Steel Force at, uh, what was that? Is that Donnie Park? Steel Force? Oh, jeez. Don't matter. I don't even know. Don't matter. Point is, <laughs> roller coaster. You all know what roller coasters are. But 30, once you hit 30, it's like things kind of slow down a little bit. You appreciate things a little bit more. You know, and some people, like my case, get a little bit more fine. They get a little more refined. Like, <laughs> I'm looking better than I ever have at, at 31. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of figure out what makes what you look good in, like, how you look good. Like, come on now. And I'm just, going the, op- I'm just going the opposite way. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, don't, uh, don't say that. Nick, nah. Nick is aging like fine wine. <laughs> but, yeah, Y'all no, kids like, out there, y'all in your yeah. 20s, wait till you hit 30. It's, it's pretty good at 30. I will say, I had a coworker about eight years ago who... Um, mentioned you know once you hit 25 it's like everything seems to make sense and i remember thinking back and you know i I, i'm thinking of like when i turned 25 or did i say 35 i meant 25 you said 25 yeah okay uh and uh you know once i hit 25 it just seemed like things made sense i developed more empathy than i had previously and i was always you know like considerate and, and caring but it's when i really like you know if i see someone you know, ha- having like a meltdown, you know, I don't automatically think, wow, that's kind of crazy. Like my whole mental thing changed as I grew. It's crazy how, how that happens. And it wasn't even physical for me. I think it was more mental. So I think there's absolutely something to be said for that in, in terms of every aspect of life, physical, mental, um, you know, as you get older, you just understand more. And which crazy to me because there's such a divide in the country now where it just seems like no one can get on the same page but um you know that's a discussion for another day but i just think that you know vaughn's not just saying it to say it it's absolutely a thing that happens in life once you get older like you you it's like the life cycle it's pretty much you said 25 I don't know if I figured it out 25. <laughs> like, I well, had a couple more years. I mean, it was my coworker, and he, you know, I started like, you know, thinking back because I think I was about 26 or 27 at the time when he said that. And I was like, you know, a couple years ago, like, what were my thoughts on this and that and like how they developed and changed? And I was like, wow, he was right. <laughs> but I've even changed since then. So oh, yeah. it's not, you don't, you don't stop evolving unless you choose to stop evolving. So. You know, I've been evolving every single year as I grow older. I'll be 35 this year. I'm sure at this time next year, you know, I will look back and this, well, I'm probably going to want to forget about 2020 altogether. But uh, it's just so different from where I am now than where I was in July of 2019 versus where I was in July of 2018. So uh, you never stop evolving. Just like evolution, man. Yeah. 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 Either you evolve or you perish, right? There you go. As they say. But um, I have no good segue to get to our discussion <laughs> tonight, so I'm just going to go right to it. 
I was thinking it went real quick, but like it's like a three second window. If it's not there, you just gotta move on. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, good news: the Phillies are winning. Oh, I mean they're playing playing themselves, but they're winning one right. to nothing. They're winning. That's good to hear. They're not televising the games. It's only on YouTube, right? YouTube, Twitter, and uh, I believe the website phillies.com so all right all right go phils but um so our discussion tonight as i mentioned earlier there are a lot of or i say a lot but a couple double champions out there some prominent double champions out there in bailey keith lee and evil (laughs) (laughs) i just like saying it like that because there was a horror movie back in the day look again big horror movie guy horror movie back in the maybe early 80s called New Year's Evil and the guy would call people and with like the voice modulator and he'd be like it's New Year's Evil something like that I can't like fully replicate it but he said it in a real really weird way so that's how that's why I say evil like that a lot but evil is also a double champion evil <laughs> can't help myself um, and it got us to thinking this is Nick's idea actually about some of the more prominent, memorable double champions throughout history. And now, when we discuss these people, we're probably going to miss somebody. I'm sure somebody will bring up somebody from I'm the sure. 70s and the territories. <laughs> oh, Nick Bockwinkle back in the day had this title and that title. I was like, I don't remember that. <laughs> no disrespect to Nick Bockwinkle. He's a great Hall of Famer, great AWA champion, but I can't remember everything. I, I listed a bunch that I can remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Not really at the top. I did look through some title histories to make sure I didn't miss any, but um, you know, just some mem- memorable ones over the course of the last, I guess, twenty five, thirty years, honestly. So I'll start it off. Um, also, let me ask you a real quick question before we get started: Are you a fan of double champions of one person holding multiple championships? I am. I am. If the story lends itself to something that. Uh, makes sense, and um, ultimately, I, I, I guess I wouldn't be necessarily a fan of when it happens right away. I would like to see how the story progresses. So, um, I've been a, more of a fan of some and less of a fan of others. But I think overall, if you were to ask me, do you like double champions? I'd say yeah. I agree. I mean, it happens in other forms of combat sports. UFC has double champions. Boxing mm-hmm. has double champions you have a boxer walking out with like five belts like, yeah and yeah. multiple weight classes and it's just like okay <laughs> like, yeah, that, o- like that always thing. seemed to confuse me as a kid but uh you know they would be on the you'd have the boxing match on the cable uh i forget what i guess program for the month and it it showed you like everything on pay-per-view that month so that's where i would always see the wrestling ones but like when they had boxing you would have like the a pitcher on there and the guy be holding like three four belts and i'm like what the hell like how, how does super, and, and the belts looked weird to me champion. yeah they looked he's weird to middleweight me. champion the super middleweight champion wbo champion the <laughs> ibf champion the ring magazine champion it's like so <laughs> boxing is out of control these yeah, titles man yeah. these weight classes and the promotions that have that's recognized world championships but uh but yeah wrestling has had its share of double champions as well i'm going to start it off with probably the greatest multi-champion ever. Like, I don't know if this will ever be topped. Uh, Ultimo Dragon, bro. <laughs> there you go. You gotta go Ultimo Dragon. You have to. And the J-Crown. Yes. In 96. 
which, for those unfamiliar, there was a point in time where a bunch of wrestling promotions put on a, I guess, a junior heavyweight tournament with champion. Everyone, everyone in the tournament was a champion in a separate promotion. And at the end of the tournament, this person who won the tournament would win all the titles and it would be known as the J Crown. So junior heavyweight crown, I guess. And Ultimate Dragon won this tournament. And if you remember WCW back in the mid-90s, 96, 97, he would walk out with like eight title belts. Mm-hmm. Legit. He would look ridiculous <laughs> with yeah. all those belts. Yep. He'd have them on his arms, on his legs, mm-hmm. and be everywhere. And those eight titles are as follows. He had the excuse me, the British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Championship. That was from Michinoku Pro slash New Japan. He was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. That's from New Japan, obviously. It was the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship from the NWA National Wrestling Alliance. The NWA World Welterweight Championship, which is not just from the NWA, but also CMLL. Uh, the UWA World Light, World Junior Light Heavyweight Championship from the Universal, Universal Wrestling Association. The WAR Junior Heavyweight title from Wrestling Association R in Japan. The WWA World Junior Light Heavyweight Championship from World Wrestling Association. And, of course, he was also the WWE Light Heavyweight Champion. Which, so all those title belts at the same time made up the J-Crown. Oh, by the way, he was also, at when he won the J-Crown, he was also the NWA World Middleweight Champion. But that wasn't a part of the J-Crown. That was separate. So, Ultimo Dragon had, he was the king of the drip for like, I don't know how long he had that J-Crown, but he would come out, he had multiple people holding the belts for him, it was lit. Sonny cracked me up. And uh, I'm really glad that you named him first, because I have a list here, finally, uh, after the last few weeks of not (laughs) having a list. So I wrote down every single title for every single person, except Ultimo Dragon. I knew that wow. you were going to find them and list them. So the only the only thing I wrote on my list was Ultimo Dragon. <laughs> it's all you need to say, really, because everybody knows like the pictures yeah. of Ultimo Dragon holding the belts on his arms and like around his waist. Like it's like famous. Like that's I, pretty much what yeah. Ultimo Dragon is famous for. Obviously, he's a great wrestler in his time. I think he won the cruiserweight title in WWE too when they did the cruiserweight division. And he also fell on stage at WrestleMania 20 when he was making his entrance. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. yeah. Ultimo Dragon's one and only oh. WrestleMania appearance. He slipped and fell on stage. Yeah, a lot of people forget he was in the, I actually forgot he was in WWE a few months ago. I remember looking it up, and I was like, oh, crap, I totally forgot about that. Now, um, he was in WWE, and he was in SmackDown Here Comes the Pain, the video yeah. game. Oh, wow. How about that? that? Ultimo Dragon. And it, what's funny is that I always... That was... The NWO clearly was the reason I'd watched WCW in like 96, 97. But um, that whole J Crown, like nine champion thing that he would come out with all those belts, that had my attention just as much. I, I thought it was like a crazy thing. I've never seen it before. And <laughs> WCW never really capitalized off it. I mean, they mentioned it and they they just didn't put like any, uh, what's the word? Like, like promotion behind it, I guess. Like they just were like, here's Ultimo Dragon. He has all these titles. And while that was impressive, and he was impressive in the ring, it just that WCW was focused on one thing and one thing only, and that was the NWO. So I, I understand that in a way, but uh, man, I remember watching him come out with all those titles. On like even Saturday night, he would come out. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. You know, really so, p- 
piqued my interest at the time. So yeah, it's not a double champion, more like an eight. <laughs> I don't know what the word is for eight, but the proper word Octuple? is octuple, octuple, octuplet champion, octo champion. There you go. There you go. So he doesn't really fit the double champion moniker. Maybe we'll just call it like multi title champions. <laughs> Um, but Ultimate Dragon has to be at the first person mentioned, I think, when you talk mm-hmm. about uh, double or triple or whatever champions. In this case, it'd be like eight, nine titles at the same time. So, Nick, uh, I know you say you got a list over there. Uh, yeah. Who's who's the top on your Not only top, but like who's the first person on your list that you wanted to discuss? So I think Ultimo Dragon is kind of like an objective uh, choice. Uh, like you kind of have to put them at the top. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I'm going to go with a little bit of a subjective choice here. Okay. I loved when Lance Storm had nice. three, three titles in WCW. It was, you know, I, I kind of forget about it a little bit. And I went back and I was like, man, I do remember that because I would tape it but not watch it because WCW was just the pits at that point. But Lance Storm was absolutely amazing as a U.S. champion, a hardcore champion, and a cruiserweight champion. And the fact that he renamed those titles because he, you know, he's a big Canadian guy there in WCW in 2000, 2001. It was absolutely hilarious. The U.S. title became the Canadian heavyweight title. <laughs> the hardcore title became the Saskatchewan hardcore international Great. title. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so good. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I knew the U.S. title became the Canadian. I forgot the yeah. hardcore title became the Saskatchewan International. <laughs> yeah. and oh, my God. I forgot about that. The Cruiserweight title became the Canadian 100 Kilo and Under title. That's hysterical. <laughs> Absolutely I forgot all about amazing. that. I, knew, I remember he kind of rebranded them to Canadian, like Canadian titles, but mm-hmm. I didn't know. I forgot that the cruiserweight and the hardcore title had like specific titles <laughs> yeah. i thought they just all became canadian titles but like no they're right. 100 kilo and under that's hysterical <laughs> it was I, the greatest like that's probably the best thing wcw ever did at that point minus pushing booker t i think booker t at the top was probably the best decision they ever made um after the nwo but uh yeah this land storm holding those three titles and renaming them was definitely at the top of the list for me love it I have him on my list as well because how could you not? I forgot that Lance Storm didn't show up in WCW until 2000. Like yeah. I, to- I, I, for whatever reason, I always thought he was there like a little earlier than that. Right. I just didn't equate Seems him to like 2000 it. to 2000 WCW. Fortunately for him, he didn't get like the stench of 2000 <laughs> WCW on him because I just don't think of him that way. I think of him in ECW. I think of him yeah. in Smoky Mountain. I think of him in WWE when he got when he got to WWE. And he's still, I know he got furloughed from WWE, but I know he still might come back at some point. But I know he had his wrestling school out in Calgary, but I did not, I I didn't really think of him as strictly 2000 WCW. I know he came to WWF after WCW went under, but I didn't think about that. And it's like, he came in and three consecutive weeks won these titles in tournaments. Mm -hmm. And he became like the the, mini Ultimo Dragon of sorts, (laughs) walking on all these belts. Yeah, this is absolutely amazing. And, you know, the fact that I think WCW utilized his boringness to a T, whereas <laughs> when WWE tried to do it, it just was hokey and lame. But, you know, he would, you know, the promos he would uh, 
give in WCW were just hilarious, and his Not his be whole character. For a minute. Yeah, his whole character I think was great at the time. So Lance Storm definitely. Uh, I don't know if I'd say under the radar, but I mean he might be under the radar. One he of might. the one of the best. He might be under the radar. I mean Lance Storm. I think he's all around and overall un- underappreciated as a performer, yeah. as a teacher of pro wrestling. He's, he's there's a lot of people he that went to his school and are now earning a living in pro wrestling, and. Also, he was one half of the Thrill Seekers in, in Smoky Mountain yeah. with Chris Jericho. So uh, that too, he's an ECW. Like you know, he's had a he's had a heck of a career. So let's give our flowers to Lance Storm uh, a little bit here uh, as the the Canadian champion, the 100 kilo and under champion, and the Saskatchewan international <laughs> champion. That's hysterical. Um, I'm going to keep it with WCW. Uh, since you went there. Okay. And I'm going to go to a pair. So a double set. A double champions, so to hmm. speak. And that's Booker T and Goldberg. Who both were the WCW World and United States Heavyweight Championship champions at the same time. Now, Goldberg uh. won. He was First, he won the United States Championship. And then when he beat Hulk Hogan to become the world champion, he was a double champion. And this was the height, honestly, of from 97 to 98, that time period, probably mm-hmm. the height of WCW, right? And it's pretty much the mm-hmm. height of Goldberg's career. And, you know, he's in the Georgia Dome. He picks Hogan up. The people go absolutely crazy. Bobby Heenan is like going crazy on commentary. Wait till he picks him up. <laughs> and and yeah. he, when he pins Hulk Hogan, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> that felt, some thank yous felt real from I Bobby think, Heenan, by the way. I think Bobby Heenan did a lot to elevate Goldberg. I don't, we don't hear a lot about that. Um, and maybe, I mean, maybe it's been talked about, but the, the way he would talk about him every week and, you know, hype the streak, I always thought it was lame back then because to me it was like, oh, an Austin ripoff. But looking back and seeing what it was really about, yeah, Bobby Heenan did a ton to help Goldberg, I think. I 100% agree with that. He would just come out and be like, here's the man. Yeah. And he was calling yeah. the man, Goldberg. And when he would spear somebody, Bobby Heenan would go crazy. Yeah. And jackhammer people. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. I think that's not talked about enough. Honestly, what a announcer, what an announcer could do for a wrestler in general, like Jim Ross, what he did for Steve Austin mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as an announcer. And what Bobby Heenan did for Goldberg and how he would describe him. So, uh, so yeah, we got Goldberg in 98 being the WCW mm-hmm. World Heavyweight and United States Champion. And we got Booker T in 2001. Who, he was the last true WCW World Heavyweight and United States Champion. As you recall, that last Nitro, WCW, I mean, Booker T, I should say, beat, was it Scott Steiner? Yeah, yep. Beat Scott Steiner to unify and become a double champion. He was a world heavyweight champion and United States champion. And when he went to WWF, he held both titles. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure who got the, the U.S. title off of him. Uh, I'm not. I don't remember um, exactly. I know. And I don't. I don't remember exactly either. But I know Canyon was a U.S. champion while they were doing the whole invasion thing. Okay. So I don't he know if Canyon is the one that beat him. Huh? He was WCW champion though when yes the invasion started. Yes, 
U.S. So I can look it up real quick, but. He, Kanye was also a tag champ with DDP. So um, I wrote WCW Invasion, so I'm not sure if it's around the same time or if Kanye actually beat Booker T or if that was like a tournament or whatever. But um, that's what I have. So it could be. I did have Booker T also. All right. Well, um, Booker T won it. And then it just goes like away. And then Canyon <laughs> just has it. It okay. was give, He was given the title by Booker T. Well, there you go. So Booker T gave him the belt. Okay. Gave him the belt on a SmackDown, apparently. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should go back and watch like those Invasion Era SmackDowns. I remember uh, being all like lit up when it started and just kind of fizzled out as the summer went along into the fall. But definitely uh, should go back and watch that because there were a ton of title changes. They're, they were still like having the WCW titles being defended and won. So there's a bunch, there's like yeah. Chris Jericho is a WCW uh, tag champion or something like that. It's crazy. You no, know, he's a, he was a world champ. Yeah. But I was just saying, <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. I but, mean, the uh, Rock, the Rock was also WCW champion, which is just funny. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, we went from Chris Canyon. Canyon also got it in Pittsburgh, so NPA. Yeah. Uh, but we went from Canyon to Tajiri. Did not expect that to come up. Oh. Uh, to Rhino, to Kurt Angle, who won it on a Raw, and then like <laughs> two weeks later, Edge won it on Raw, and then I think they kind of unified it with the Intercontinental Championship mm. at Survivor Series. Yeah, yeah, he beat Test um, to unify the Intercontinental and the U.S. Yeah, the U.S. title. Then they brought it back like two years later. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Booker T and Goldberg both being double champions, but under much different circumstances. Goldberg being the double champion when WCW was white hot, and Booker T being the double champion when it was over. That yeah. was it. Yeah, you know, that was the end. So, uh, two very different circumstances, but very memorable in their own right. Uh, Nick, which who you got next? Let's uh, let's stick with WCW again. And how about? Do you remember Bret Hart being a double champion when he was in WCW? He was a U.S. champion and a tag team champion. He right? he, he was a WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Oh and, my bad. Uh, I mean, he might he might have been the U.S. champion, but what I saw in 1999 when he won the WCW title finally, uh, he also won the tag team titles with his good friend from Starcade, Bill Goldberg. This was before oh, yeah. they would face off in the Starcade main event. He was a tag team champion with Goldberg. So Goldberg was also, well, he wasn't a double champion here, but he's been involved, you know, in several double champion angles. So Bret Hart was actually a double champion uh, in WCW in 1999. And I kind of forgot about that before I did uh, my research. So kind of a, uh, it, it was also a little sad realizing that it was with Goldberg and we would go on to see his final match pretty much uh, because of Goldberg and, uh, the next month or two. So, but uh, you know, it was it was cool to see Bret Hart finally get right in WCW before his career uh, unfortunately ended early. Um, you know, he he got through all that BS booking that he you know from 1998, and uh, I mean he he was in WCW for like five or six months before they just had him turn heel and join Hulk Hogan like. I just can't believe that happened. 
And, you know, when I think about it, it just kind of makes me annoyed because they could have done so much with Bret Hart, uh, especially with the way he came over from WWF. But um, double champion, 1999. And uh, I also want to... I had him... I guess it wasn't him. I did have, uh, yeah, Goldberg and then... Okay, so yeah. Yeah. I do have more, but I, I don't know if you have uh, something you want to say about that or. Oh uh, no, it was I, I did uh, see that along the way in my research, but I mean Bret Hart has had so many memorable moments of his career. I didn't think that. Yeah, was it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, talking well, about it, in this discussion, it probably wasn't a career highlight, but uh, you know, I, I only included it because much of his WCD WCW run was abysmal to be nice so i'm sure that was you know hopefully a highlight for him if anything let's hope but uh, <laughs> probably not uh let's keep it in again another wcw one but not really wcw we're gonna go to the nwa we're gonna go to tatsumi fujinami in 1991 ah. when he was an iwgp heavyweight champion and then he beat Ric Flair in 1991 to become the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Big deal. Yeah, especially back then. Right? Yeah, beat Ric Flair. Big pay-per-view. Big deal. Beat him in Japan. Starcade in Tokyo, though. Never saw that. It was called the WCW New Japan Super Show. You know, I, I did see the poster, though. I didn't mention it in our previous podcast, but I remember looking at the poster and actually saving it. But I have not yeah. seen the event. Well, it happened, and it's Tokyo Dome. <laughs> so and that was before Flair went to the WWF, huh? Yeah. Uh, man, this might be... Because Flair showed up in late 91, right? Yep. Yeah. I wonder when Flair actually went to WWF. Let's look that up real quick. Yeah, it was uh, September, it. September 91. I think Bobby Heenan kind of like mentioned it in August. Unless it was September, yeah, but he did August. show up in yep. September. Yeah, so yeah, it's one of his, maybe one of his last uh, appearances in WCW. I don't know if it's very last one. Hmm. But um, yeah, that, that's a that's a huge deal. That You don't see that too much nowadays with promotions you know, combining or having double world champions, you know, but that's what happened in 91, Tetsumi Fujinami, mm-hmm. WWE Hall of Famer, Tetsumi Fujinami. Uh, won the IWGP and the NWA World Heavyweight title. Hmm. So, yeah. Speaking of the IWGP Heavyweight title, one, Kurt Angle was IWGP oh. champion when he was in TNA. At the same time, he was also the world heavyweight champion in TNA, the X Division champion, and the tag team champion. <laughs> he, <laughs> I forgot so he, about that. <laughs> he had all the belts. He did. He How did. stupid was that? <laughs> he had I, all of them. I forgot all about that. Wow. You know, I, I, think I remember Kurt him Angle. and it was a Karen Angle taking a picture together. Yeah. He had all. He was, he was looking at Ultimate Dragon with all the belts. <laughs> I had all of them. He's even a tag team champion. Yeah, yeah, and 
I do not. Uh, I mean, he was a double champion in WWE, and we'll go over that. But and, yeah, and that was will. my that was my uh, more the one I liked more. But this in TNA is just absolutely hilarious. Uh, and it's I so think funny. I think it's uh, you know one of those things where I totally forgot he was the IWGP champion too at, at the same time. So I think he won the IWGP champion while he was all three champions in TNA. So uh, it's definitely one of the things I remember watching because I would watch every week back then, and I have it on tape. But uh, unfortunately, I don't. They're not on Impact Plus at the moment, so I, I don't think I can go back and watch those uh, episodes of Impact. Uh, but it was just absolutely f- hilarious, and I loved it. And, oh my uh, god! Yeah, definitely. I'm so uh, glad you brought. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Maybe one of TNA's it. best moments, perhaps. Yeah, I think Kurt Angle had all the belts in TNA at the same, even including the tag titles at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Wow, what a time! I mean, um, I don't even remember. Did he have a tag team partner, or was he just the I don't tag remember. team? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I can look it up, but I do remember it was just him and um, Karen Angle in the photo, and he got <laughs> all the belts. This is when he's still obviously with Karen Angle. Oh, uh, Karen Jarrett now. Um, <laughs> just, just uh, you know, that's that's wild. I'm not weird. gonna get into that. This is weird. No, he uh, was just. It was, I'm looking at the title history on <laughs> on Wikipedia. It's just Kurt Angle. No, <laughs> but the thing is, it went from just Samoa Joe <laughs> to just Kurt Angle. Because <laughs> this is the these aren't the NWA World Tag Titles. So this okay. is a separate history. This start. This is the TNA version and it started apparently in may 20 2007 with team 3d the dudley boys mm-hmm. so who i think held the iwgp uh heavyweight titles at some point too and i know they did hold them in tna i'm not sure if they held the tna tag titles and mm-hmm. the iwgp heavyweight tag titles at the same time but they're technically the first tna world tag team champions then you go to the second ever TNA World Heavy World Tag Team ch- Champion is Samoa Joe, and that's it. <laughs> just that's it. And uh, oh, Wikipedia boy. says this was a tag team match with Joe teaming with Kurt Angle, in which the person to get the fall would win that person's championship. Joe's TNA Tag X Division Championship and Kurt Angle's. Okay, so it's Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe versus the Team 3D, and uh, Joe pinned you know Bubba Ray. And he held the titles on his own. <laughs> then Kurt Angle beat him in a winner-take-all match. <laughs> because, of course, Kurt Angle was the world champ. And it's in mm. one half, I guess, technically, of the tag champs. Or whatever. I don't know. Either way, Kurt Angle was the lone tag team champion for 15 days, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> 15 days. <laughs> what a time. Mm. What a time. Winner take all. Winner takes all the belts, including the tag titles. What is happening here? Man, the IWGP title was just a pawn. Pretty much. It's not even, it's non-existent in this (laughs) storyline. But that was pretty much some of the first times I watched, like, New Japan Pro Wrestling was when TNA would do, like, the global impact shows. And you would see, like, Fergal Devitt and, uh, who just, man, I can't remember his name, Tanahashi, uh, over there, and it's like, oh, this is different because they'd be at like some of their bigger shows. So, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. But um, 
Kurt Angle holding all the belts in TNA. <laughs> what a time. I'm going to stick with Kurt Angle, yeah. and I'm going to go to where you kind of alluded to earlier, and that was when he was the Eurocontinental champion. And you're probably like, what in the hell is that? <laughs> that's when he held both the WWE Intercontinental and the European Championship at the same time. But here's the thing. Kurt Angle wasn't the first person to do that. He was the third person to do that. Because wow. the first person to do that was the good brother D'Lo Brown back in 99. He was the Intercontinental Champion and the European Champion at the same damn time. <laughs> All right? First person to do that was D'Lo Brown. Then he lost both You better recognize. You better recognize. Damn it. There you go, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you guys better recognize. And then he lost both titles, I think, to Jeff Jarrett. Oh, and then, went, then Kurt Angle somehow... He was, you know, moving up the, the card. He won both titles, which he both he lost both at WrestleMania without getting pinned, uh, which is kind of yeah. funny. But um, yeah, Euro Continental Champion. There's only three of them: Kurt Angle, D'Lo Brown, and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, him losing both at WrestleMania without getting pinned, and that's part of the story I was talking about earlier. Where, like, I like a double champion if the story uh, is good. And at first, like, I was kind of like eh on that happening just because it was so predictable but you know, like in wrestling predictability is sometimes good uh the only th- problem i have with that was the first fall of that triple threat match of wrestlemania was for the i intercontinental title i mean i, I think they should have just switched it around because you I, had i agree with you on that because you had chris benoit win the intercontinental title first so, like, who? no one really cared about the European title at that point. So, with Kurt Angle, you know, holding both of them, I, I, that was probably the best thing for the European Championship at the time. Look, and with Chris Jericho winning it, you know, in the second fall, it was just kind of weird. I, th- I just think they should have flipped it around, but definitely yeah. hilarious. You build up to the IC title, right, the European right. title. But, I mean, look, the European Championship, for the most part, after the British Bulldog lost it, was meaningless, right? <laughs> I mean... Well, I, mean, it up with a... I, I did like Shawn Michaels having it. Uh, yeah, that was another double yeah. champion. Um, but and when he, he gave, gave it, it to Triple H, yeah, that was kind of <laughs> that's when I was kind of like, man, this this doesn't feel like you know like a TV title anymore to me. I always you know compared it to the WCW TV title, and I liked the design of it. So like I was a fan of it, but after that happened, I was just kind of like out. Look, I was out. I'm like I'm good with a TV title type of championship. I mean, I agree with you. Like, that, it was kind of on that same level, but it was called a European championship. It's <laughs> a little bit different. And it just yeah. was like, it was just a title that they just had floating around WWE that would go to people like Test or X-Pac, Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon. <laughs> That's when it became like Jinx. a... Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of sad that we both, like, that's what we think about when we think about the European title. That's kind of how it fell. From the Bulldog all the way to that. I agree with you in that the European Championship was a cool-looking belt. Yeah. I agree with you on that. And, man, we should have a show on who's the greatest European champion of all time. You know, you know. (laughs) Owen Hart was European champion for a hot minute. The best, probably the best reign was D'Lo Brown. And every time he would get announced, <laughs> they would have a different country in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Currently residing in Italy. <laughs> well, 
wasn't Apparently like a part of his Munich, Germany. Wasn't it part of his like Titantron too, where the background the backgrounds were all like different countries in Europe, maybe something like that. But I, I mean, I if we though. do if we do a show on that, we're just going to be talking a whole hour about D'Lo Brown, which is fine with me. But <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Maybe I'm we'll try to get him on. Try to get him on or something. We should do a little brand appreciation show. Like, how did you get your neck to roll like that when you walk to the ring? Didn't your neck hurt? <laughs> you would do it like boom, back and forth. Or who produced that cool ass theme song you had? You're looking at the real deal now. Like yeah. that was that song still not today. That's still yeah. a bop today. Yeah. I don't care what nobody say. And I don't throw that around loosely. Like D Lo Brown theme song. <laughs> Wasn't it certified Bob, certified banger? It was all one of those. Fight me if you disagree. It was all one of those WWF the album uh, CDs, and I remember putting it on repeat sometimes because <laughs> you're right, it, it was a banger. <laughs> I can't imagine you in your room at like twelve playing that song. <laughs> hype, hype myself up for like the baseball game. You're looking at the real deal now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's your walk up song to the plate. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely should have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just stare funny, him down. Man. Just stare him down. That's really funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I said Kurt Angle to your continental. Yeah. So it's your turn now to to come up with another double champion or yeah. multi multi champions. We talked about Ultimo Dragon, who had twelve titles at the same time. Yeah, this is one that uh, kind of went over my head, and I, I don't remember it until I looked at it, and then I, and then I did. It came back to me, and I remembered. It seemed like, you know, WCW wanted to unmask the Luchadors way too often, and <laughs> but that's that was their mo, and uh, so uh, w- whatever decision they made, um, they had unmasked Rey Mysterio, and literally right after they unmasked him. Rey Mysterio went on to win the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. And then the next week or the week after that, he went on to win the Tag Team Championship with Kidman. And to me, I look back at that, I'm like, man, were they just, was that like a thank you for him unmasking <laughs> for WCW? But um, totally forgot that he was a double champion at the time. Uh, uh, probably not very long because it was 1999 WCW and champions were were changing hands. Uh, championships were changing hands weekly pretty much, but he was a double champion in WCW 1999. I forgot about that. And I thought that was uh, necessary to mention because he's one of the greatest of all time. And, uh, you know, he, he held it without a mask. Like that. Yeah. Um, Billy Kidman and Ray Mysterio was a fun tag team in WCW. They were. they were. I mean, a lot of stuff wasn't good in WCW in 1999 and 2000. Billy Kidman and Ray Mysterio was low-key lit. Like they were a forgotten fun tag team. I remember. At that point. I remember when Kim in left the flock, and he, I think he was the best example of what breaking away from a group can do for an individual talent. Um, just in terms of the wrestling business and the industry, uh, you know, breakups don't always skyrocket careers. But Kidman, I, he was he wound up in a high profile feud with Hulk Hogan like years later. So yeah, did. you know that you give him all kinds of credit for being able to go out there and um, do things in the ring that, you know, even when he was a member of the flock, he didn't really scream cruiserweight to me. I know he was a cruiserweight before that, before he even joined the flock, but he just changed his image and he did different moves. And he was definitely one of the few highlights of WCW in that era. 
The only kid, man, probably outkicked his coverage in wrestling. When you think about it, like absolutely, he was absolutely. just a regular guy in wrestling from from Allentown, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. I forgot about that. Local guy. Well, they forgot they about you. Sorry, Allentown. He was born in New Haven, Connecticut, apparently. Oh, um, but I'm pretty sure they built him from Allentown. I mean, look it up. Maybe he grew up there. Yeah, he was trained by Alpha. So, and their school was out in, um... In Allentown. Lehigh Valley, yeah. So, I don't mm. know if he's actually from that area. But, um... But either way. <laughs> made it to WCW. Wasn't a huge star, but, like, you know, had a, a, a nice run. Went to WWE. Had a good singles run. Married Tori Wilson. <laughs> was a... Was a, uh... They're not together now, but they were at some point. <laughs> and was an agent in WWE for years. Like, really, yeah, Kevin had a run in wrestling. Did. That, he did. You know. Yeah, so good for him. But um, I'm going to stick with the double champion, but when half, one of the championships being a tag title, and go to twice, two occurrences in WWE history, where the WWE an Intercontinental Champion, were also together as the Tag Team Champions. Yeah. Uh, one, of course, being Diesel and Shawn Michaels in 1995, mm. when Diesel was a WWE Champion and Shawn Michaels was the Intercontinental Champion, and together they were also the Tag Team Champions. You remember with that poster for, I think, Survivor Series 95, when they, they got all the gold with them, or two belts at least, on the, on the poster with them. And it happened again... In 2001, when Steve Austin and Triple H uh, were, well, Steve Austin was the WWE champ and Triple H was the Intercontinental champion, and together they were the two man power trip and they were the tag team champions. Uh, so it happened twice in the span of six years. Uh, I thought Diesel Shawn Michaels was, you know, it was okay while it lasted, but well, that, Steve that, Austin and Triple H. That lasted one day. That lasted one day? Yeah. Oh, it lasted way longer than that. <laughs> I, know like so you, I know you. I know you block out 1995 WWF a lot, but I, uh, I will let you know the night they won it. It was like at a, in your house, but it was the whole thing where Owen Hart wasn't there, so British Bulldog filled in as Yokozuna's partner. But then Owen Hart showed up, and they actually pinned Owen Hart. Oh, so yeah, yeah. that whole thing. So technically, they were tag team champions, but I think. Um, for the night, maybe because the very next night on Raw, the Smoking Guns beat Owen and Yoko for the tag titles. So. I've seen multiple pictures with them in the belts, though. I know, <laughs> I know. I, maybe they, whatever promotional stuff they had, they just threw out there. But um, I do remember that, and I think they technically were double champions, but for like I feel a day. Well, I mean, they did win them, so you're not wrong, but. They did. Uh, they were, uh, the Austin Triple H team is was way better, <laughs> in, my, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, but like, yeah, I'm looking on Wikipedia. They're not even recognized. What the, oh, really? What I, oh no, Two Ds with Attitudes is their name. <laughs> 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 I see it on two. Like, who, who the hell Two Ds with Attitudes? That ain't Shawn Michaels and Diesel. Oh no, that actually is <laughs> Shawn Michaels and Diesel. Two Ds with Attitudes. Ooh, yeah. what an awful name. Yeah. That, maybe that's the reason why they were champions for one day because <laughs> that's terrible i mean two dudes with attitudes man you have to rhyme no you don't actually 
I'm going to www.com right now and look it up. The best thing about that pay-per-view was Gorilla Monsoon was like, I guarantee that a title will switch hands tonight. And really, like the obvious thing afterwards was that no title switched hands. (laughs) Or at least by Raw the next night. But it was one of those cliffhangers that were probably unnecessary, but they had to sell that September pay-per-view. <laughs> the third there ever so, in your house. I'm looking at WWE's title page. There are so many belts in WWE, bro. It's stupid. Yeah, right there now. are. There definitely are. Two, three, three, six, nine, twelve, <laughs> fifteen, eighteen. Eighteen titles in WWE. Oh. We go through WWE, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, and 205 uh. Live. Oh, okay. <laughs> I counted all of those. I didn't count just to me. So that's five, I guess, shows. But that's still like, it's still so WWE talent. I guess they so count bad. the Cruiserweight title as a 205 Live title. I mean, but, yeah, it's, it's all WWE. I'm just talking about all WWE, period. But um, I don't even think they yeah. have a mid-card title in NXT UK either. <laughs> so if you add one there. No, they don't. They got the women. They got the, no, the 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 men's title, the women's title, and the tag titles. But uh, yeah, WWE.com, They're just Diesel and Shawn Michaels, not two dudes with attitudes. Get it together, Wikipedia. Get it together. But uh, <laughs> uh, you are very angry about that name. But that didn't last very long. But the two man power trip didn't last very long either. That had a lot more legs. But mm-hmm. as we know, Triple H tore his quad and. Then the invasion angle started. It was just put at that point, especially when obviously Triple H tore his quad. So, uh, yeah, that was the end of that. But when they lost the titles, one of the best main events in Raw history, mm-hmm. Jericho Benoit versus Austin and Triple H, fantastic match. Absolutely, one that one of the very few that I before the WWE Network I would go out of my way to keep uh, certain wrestling tapes that I that had shows that I watched regularly, I would keep them in like one section. And that Raw was one of them. Who you got next um, as far as a uh, multi I will go maybe an under-the-radar one, but not necessarily in in terms of recency. But I think he was great in in this role, and that's Seth Rollins as WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And the U.S. champion when he beat John Cena for the U.S. title, uh, he's he on my a, list as well. He was a double champion there, and I thought he that that when I say I like double champions overall, that's why. Like the way they presented that, he defended both titles separately. Like he didn't have to quote unquote forfeit one. And I understand why they do that whole thing; they forfeit it because of creative decisions and all that. But when you factor in a double champion and and you actually do creative based on the fact that they hold more than one title. I, I like that more. So Seth Rollins, WWE World Heavyweight Champion and U.S. Champion together. Well, I think it was like 2015, 2016. Yep. Yeah, 15. So absolutely awesome. No, I agree. I had Seth Rollins on my list as well. Uh, that was I think that was the one where he obviously he won a WWE World Heavyweight title at WrestleMania. And I believe he beat John Cena at SummerSlam yeah. to become a double yeah. champion. Am I correct? And that was a match where, first of all, I came out as the White Ranger, which was a dope, some dope gear. 
or looking like the White Ranger at least. And, and isn't that the match where John Stewart helped him beat John Cena? Yeah, that little <laughs> bastard. How stupid was that? Because the whole build-up was like John Stewart against Rollins, and then all of a sudden he t- kicks Cena. Like, what? Get out of here! Right. Or hits him John, or something. John Stewart was uh, not John Stewart. Seth Rollins was on a Daily Show multiple times. Right? They yeah. had like a a Daily Show type of thing in the ring. <laughs> like, yeah. That a thing? Yeah. It, it was actually one of my one of my no not first ones, but I remember covering. That's when I started covering. Uh, wrestling for Philly Voice, and when John Stewart kicked Rollins, <laughs> like I think I put in my headline, John Stewart kicked Seth Rollins in the no nose. <laughs> like that, in the I was no like, nose. I was like, <laughs> I hope people click on this because <laughs> that was like the best part of Raw. Raw's been terrible forever, so you know I had to go with that one. I had to go with John Stewart. So um, fair enough. That's what I came and you know Twitter had the pictures, so I had the picture up there, but. Um, just absolutely crazy that it was around the same time I started covering wrestling for Philly Boys, and I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> John Stewart's gonna get a lot more clicks in the headline right, than, right. let's say, I don't know, who, who was hot in 2015 at that point. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> wait, uh, like Rusev? <laughs> yeah, there you go, Rusev. Yeah, exactly, or Ryback, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, that was weird. John John Stewart in a WWE ring in a Bootio shirt, <laughs> or or at least a, a New Day shirt. It might not have been Bootios, but definitely a New Day shirt. <laughs> Low blowing John Cena because uh-huh. he didn't want John Cena to tie. I think at that point would have tied Ric Flair's world title record. Hmm. What a what a strange yeah. turn of events that was. But um, Seth Rollins though, double champion for like what? A month, <laughs> and then he, I forget who he lost the U.S. title to. It probably was at Night of Champions, uh, actually. Yeah, because that's it, what he had. I think he lost to John Cena. Okay, and then he faced Sting for the world title. But um, yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, not not long lived, but you know, I, I think for Seth Rollins' character at the time and how he was you know, like goading that he was the double champion. So I enjoyed it. And I, yeah, I enjoyed the ti- the WWE World Heavyweight Title. That should be the name of it. Yes, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I agree, hundred uh, percent. But yeah, it was the he he lost to Cena in a semi main, and then it followed up immediately with Sting, and he somehow beat Sting. You, you know, that's <laughs> the end of Sting's career. Yeah. Uh, with that match, be up, beat Sting to hold on to the title, but. Um, Remember the segment where the authority is going to have a statue yeah. made out of Seth Rollins? He's holding both belts and he's like, yeah. And then when they kind of unveil it, instead of the statue, it's Sting standing there somehow yeah. <laughs> in a t shirt. <laughs> and like Triple H is holding his arms up, here's the statue. <laughs> and when, they, when, it, when it unveils and it's Sting, he still has his arms up the whole time. Like, oh no. <laughs> Uh, the thing I remember the most about that is Sting's face paint, or, like sweating off of right. his face. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, "Oh man!" Like that's probably the worst was, thing that he could look like. like he just he looks was like under a there fool. too long. Yeah, it was hot. Man, yeah, that pipe and drape, man, it was he hot. Like, he looks like a moron, but no, it was uh, a box, right? Wasn't it a box? Yeah, I think so. I think it was like an. Yeah, it might might have been. 
or something like that because they lifted it, the whole thing up. And yeah, I, yeah, I do remember the top of his face paint coming off because he was he was sweating. It was hot. I remember him like, talking about it, and he was saying like how much he was sweating and all that, and that's why the face paint was coming off. He might have been talking about it at his Hall of Fame speech. I don't remember, but too funny. It's like September. It's still hot in September, and he's yeah. in this box. It's hot. There's no air conditioning <laughs> in that box. Man, he was in there for a long time because the it wasn't like a quick unveil. They did the whole segment around that, and that was the payoff like 10, 15 minutes later. Because that, that's when WWE liked to have like 10, 15 minute promos. And she's yeah. like, oh, shut the hell up already. <laughs> but um, Triple H, as an aside, when he was, you know, the authority, the whole authority thing wasn't that good. But I will say he's had some, he had some, to me at least, some hilarious, hilariously legendary segments while with the authority. When Daniel Bryan occupied Raw. He's yeah. really mad, and he yeah. tried to run down to the ring, and people are holding him back. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I thought when uh, Daniel Bryan surprised attacked him before WrestleMania 30, because this is the week after he had attacked Daniel Bryan with the handcuffs on. Right. Daniel Bryan comes right. through the crowd, and Stephanie McMahon's on commentary, and she sees Daniel Bryan. She's like, whoa! <laughs> and he starts beating on Triple H and stuff like that. And Triple H is selling for him. It's great. And then when... Seth Rollins and Randy Orton are arguing with each other in the ring, and Triple H is trying to stop them from arguing with each other. This is when Randy Orton just, for some reason, is about to turn face when he was a part of the Authority. This is after I think it's after he won, he lost the title. I forget. I forget exactly what point in the year this was. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're arguing, and Rand- Triple H is in between them, trying to hold them back. Like, look, let's not fight here. Let's not fight here. And then Randy Orton is talking and talking. And then out of nowhere, he hits... I mean, obviously, it's out of nowhere. He hits Rollins with the RKO. And Triple H just looks up in the sky like, I don't believe this just happened. Like, I was just telling these dudes to not fight each other right now. And they still... Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Like, no, nobody's listening to me. <laughs> it was just so funny. He was just an angry dad. It's like... I don't believe these dudes still like he just stared off and it was just it was perfect. He like he, like Orton hit their RKO and like slid it out of the ring and Triple H is looking around and he just he knows Randy Orton is a got away and then Seth Rollins is on the ground big selling from the RKO face down like dead pretty much <laughs> and he's looking he's looking at Randy Orton run away and Seth Rollins is on the ground and he just looks off into space like I don't believe this just happened. I can't <laughs> believe this just happened. I think it was before WrestleMania 31 because that's yeah. when Orton faced Rollins, right? Right, and oh. <laughs> uh, they, they had a really good build for that. I think, uh, like that whole dissension and everything was well done in, in wrestling standards, and I enjoyed all that. So I, I thought that was all great, Look, and with Triple H's segment, reaction and just Orton's slow turn, I thought it was yeah, cool. That, that one segment alone was hilarious. If you haven't seen that segment or you forgot what that segment was. There were some funny segments in like 2014, 2015. Like that segment when Triple H is staring off, like I don't believe this. And then when Sting uh, came out and helped John Cena win a match to get people's jobs back, I think yeah. it was after. Remember, yeah. they Series. fired yeah. Ryback, Eric Rowan, and Ziggler. And then John Cena had to right. beat, I guess, Rollins to get their job back. And then it was like, <laughs> it was like Sting's face show up with a Titantron. And he's just standing there, standing there. And JBL's like, that's not Sting. That's a picture of Sting. <laughs> and then he walks out and then and like says it to Triple H. Cena wins the match. And then the stipulation, or not really the stipulation, but like 
the thing was that if Seth Rollins lost his match, Brock Lesnar was going to beat his ass. <laughs> like he was, <laughs> it was like he was not happy because I think Cena also got a, got into the title match at the Royal Rumble. I think that was also yeah. part of it, something like that. And Brock didn't want that to happen. He was like, "Look, you better win this match, or else if you don't win this match, I'm trashing you tonight." <laughs> <laughs> so Cena wins the match. He runs off. Sting comes out. He's yelling and screaming, and he leaves. And so it's like, oh man! And it's like everybody's mad. Triple H is on the table. Like Sting, come back! And then Brock Lesnar's music hits. <laughs> it's like, oh man! All hell's about to break loose. Yeah, I do. That remember was a that. great segment. I do remember that. It was a great segment. And Brock hits the ring. He tosses the belt to Paul Hammond and, and F fives a couple people. I think he F five Big Show. And I forget who else J&J was out there. J&J Security but... maybe at the time? Cause no, I know J&J he... got Seth Rollins out of there because they wanted oh, okay. to beat up Seth Rollins. I, I vividly <laughs> remember that. And Booker T is on commentary, which is, which over the last couple Go of ahead, weeks. Go ahead, plug, that, plug appreciate... that Twitter account. Plug that yes, Twitter account. Booker T commentary. We got to appreciate Booker T on commentary so much more now because, and I used to say this at the time, I was like, oh, Booker T is actually good on commentary. He's entertaining. He's funny. Yeah. People used to hate on Booker T, but now... This Twitter account exists, and now we can say, yo, Booker T was actually funny as hell on commentary. When he would go sucky, ducky, quack, quack, people used to roll their <laughs> eyes at that. I'm like, wow, that's hilarious. Now the thing is funny. Go figure. Um, but yeah, he was on commentary, and I love when he was on, he's in TNA, and he go, I'm Black Snow. It's Black Snow, baby. So, yeah, we're going on many tangents here, <laughs> but... I'm just giving everybody their flowers. Lance Storm, Billy Kidman, yeah. now Booker T on Booker T on commentary specifically. D'Lo Brown. D'Lo Brown. <laughs> <laughs> this is the flower show, essentially. <laughs> you know, we have a flower show every year in Philly. This is it right now. This is replacing the flower show. Booker T on commentary deserves his flowers because he was hysterical. I don't care what nobody. He was yeah. always funny. He was always good. But that's just. I agree. Um, I agree. I'm gonna go with. Something similar to Seth Rollins, where person was a heavyweight champion, and he also held a secondary title at the same time. But this was very temporary. This is not very long. I'm going to go with Ultimate Warrior in 1990, when he, on the night of the Ultimate Challenge, won the <laughs> WWE Championship while also holding the Intercontinental Championship at the same time. Now, he didn't really go forward with the Intercontinental Championship, but on that night, he was holding up both titles at the, end, at the end of the night. And I don't know that we ever saw that visual before in WWE. Uh, we've seen it multiple times since, I'm sure. But at that point, hadn't seen it. Yeah, and like I said before, that was one of my first shows I watched. And I thought that was normal. I was like, oh, like, guys have two belts. Okay. And I was so confused when then, like, Kurt Henning was the Intercontinental Champion. I was like, well, where's the world title? And why is, wait, why is Ultimate Warrior the world champion? Like, doesn't he have two titles? Like, so uh, it, it was a cool visual. I'll, I'll give it that. And uh, I still, I guess in 1990, Vince is still trying to figure out how WWF's going to continue in the mainstream or whatever. But I, I still like the idea of defending both titles. I just, forfeiting the title is bleh to me but yeah, I'm, it I, did I give kurt henning the title so i guess that's fine but i mean i guess yeah. if you don't want to be ultimate warrior and they weren't doing triple yeah. threat matches at that point yeah just have them give it up right but nowadays if somebody's double champion and you have to hold on to it for a little bit and then if you want them to lose the title but don't want them necessarily to lose 
Pokemon a triple threat or a fatal four way, right. and there you go. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Somebody else can get pinned and they lose the title. Bam. Now, if Hulk Hogan Easy. won the Intercontinental title, would he would he have forfeited the world title? <laughs> exactly. That wouldn't have happened, right? He would have. Would he would just given it back? <laughs> there you go, Warrior. Well, you know what? Sorry, I mean, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, back. brother. Had to beat you for it, but now I'm giving it back to you because I'm a nice guy, dude. Oh man, imagine nice that. Nice guy, brother. <laughs> man, he probably wouldn't crazy. have given it to Virgil. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> well, That's all I want to say. Damn. Vir- <laughs> was Virgil ever champion other than the million dollar champ? Hell no. Anywhere? Not a tag team Ooh. champion? Not a in WCW? I don't think so. Like, no. oh, I don't think so. He didn't, I don't think they gave Vincent a title in WCW. No. <laughs> bummer. Yeah. I mean, I will, bummer, I will sure. say he probably would have better been a better TV champion than Scott Hall. Wow, he's would actually. Would you better been a, been a better U.S. champion than Mongo McMichael? Oh, how about I that think, Mongo Twitter account? That cracks me. Oh, right. <laughs> also hysterical, <laughs> and I think hundred percent yes. Yeah, Mongo, great football player, Super Bowl champion, eighty-five Bears, but a wrestler? Eh. Nah, definitely not. Yeah, Virgil was a better wrestler. Yeah, I'll, I'll give, give him that. that. Give him that. that. Let's give let's give Virgil his flowers too. Why not? <laughs> Virgil there slash Vincent, free of charge. Had a decent career has had a hell of a run on Twitter. Let's <laughs> give him his, his flowers too. Why not? There it's go. a flower show to straight shooters. <laughs> Man, maybe that should be the title of this episode. <laughs> maybe the flower. Everyone's gonna be like, "What <laughs> flower show?" Flower let me show. let me read the description. Uh, you got another uh, multi-person champion there? Yeah, yeah, I do. How about not? I will say I was a fan of the Big Show's random tag teams about oh, ten boy. years ago. I I liked him with Chris Jericho. I liked him with the Miz. I thought it was funny, um, but he was not a double champion. The Miz, however, was a double champion. He was a U.S. champion and unified tag team champion with the Big Show in 2010. Show Miz was their name. The Miz and Big Show were actually, when they had the Unified Tag Team Championships, they were both belts from both brands. So they Miz actually held three belts because he had <laughs> the two tag belts and then the U.S. belt. So, you know, the pictures they have, he's wearing, you know, three belts and everything. So um, definitely underappreciated him at the time. He's grown on me. I, I, I like what he's doing with John Morrison current day. But uh, I think The Miz is kind of underrated. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's... Uh, what was the one I said earlier that was underrated? Oh, Lance Storm in uh, WCW. I don't, I don't know if I would go compare him to that, but I think The Miz is underrated in a way that people just kind of get tired of him, and, and I get that. But he's grown on me. I love it. I love his promos when he's just trying to be annoying. And uh, he's been a good mid-carder for most of his career, so I'm going to give him his flowers. How about that? The Miz? Yeah, yeah. I think The Miz gets plenty of flowers on social media nowadays. But I'm, I'm not trying to be cool about it. I'm not, trying, I'm, got, not, I'm not saying it for clout. He's got TV shows all, <laughs> popping up every day. He's well, 20, 2010, he's 10 got, years ago, we didn't see that coming. I figured I mean, he was it, on a TV show before wrestling. He was on the real world. Well, so. yeah, but you know that to me... 
you know, it didn't mean jack at that point. The real world, big deal. <laughs> you know, can't got the Cannonball show right now. I don't even remember that one. It just it just came out. <laughs> well, I'm not <laughs> saying like I don't remember week. hearing about that on, on oh. programming. So uh, it's new. So might have been tough to miss. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna take it. This is a good segue. So you mentioned that the unified tag team champions at that point, the, you know, the world heavyweight and the WWE tag titles, they were unified. The champions for a period of time carried two belts. Mm-hmm. That was also the case in 2001 when Chris Jericho became the first ever undisputed champion. He was the first man to ever hold the WWE and WCW World Championship at the same damn time. Of course, he did that. He won that at Unforgiven 2001. And no matter what Chris Jericho has ever done in his career since, he could always say, and he's done a lot. Don't get me wrong, but he could always say he's the first ever undisputed champion. Always thought undisputed champion was a pretty cool moniker too. But he's also the only person to hold the two belts. He never, no one else after him held the two belts. It was only him. Triple H held it for a night when he beat Chris Jericho. But they quickly after gave him one nice belt (laughs) to hold as the undisputed champion. But for some reason, Chris Jericho had to lug around two belts for three months when he was a champion. I never understood that. Why didn't they give him the one big belt? <laughs> they gave it to Triple H and everybody else after that. But Chris Jericho, historic title win, technically, even though it was called the Undisputed Championship, but technically he was the WWF and WCW world champion at the same time. So double champ, right? He had two belts. Well, I'll, I'll give you that. I, I actually wrote next to that Undisputed not double champ <laughs> on my list. But he was, though. That's why he had two belts. But, but I, I, I get that. But he wasn't billed as both the WWF and WCW champion. But That's fair. WCW um, stopped pretty much existing right. and, uh, after Survivor Series 2001. So I understand that. Mm-hmm. But he held the two belts. Yes. It was pretty much understood that the big gold belt he was, he was a, holding yeah. was the WCW World yeah, Championship. Absolutely, yeah. So before they called it the Undisputed, it was two separate belts, and he kept he kept them throughout right. his title reign until he lost it at WrestleMania 18. Right. So at least for a night or two, he's probably the most prominent double champion there's ever been. Yeah, yeah. He was also actually a double champion months before that. Remember that one? Um. Hmm. While the Rock was WCW champion, this is before. Oh, champions. Yeah, before uh, Survivor Series and all that. He was a tag team champion with The Rock. So he had quite quite a run that year. Maybe his, I wouldn't say best year of his career because he's done some great stuff since then. But in terms of uh, kind of getting him to where he is now, without that run in 2001, I'm not sure he, he is where he is at this point. That was definitely a, uh, a year of uh, upward mobility, so to there speak. There you go. Jericho. There you go. Yeah. 2001, like late 2001 and 2002 was definitely when they started moving him up the car when he won the WCW title and he was going against The Rock every week. Like, you know, it wasn't for the Intercontinental Championship, it was for the WCW World Championship. It then shocked the world when he won the Undisputed Championship. So, yeah, I remember. Chris Jericho, 2001. Man, The Rock, Austin, Kurt Angle, and Chris Jericho. And out of those four, you'd think Chris Jericho was going to lose the first match. and that's probably why they put both belts on him. <laughs> exactly. 
And not not uh, a bad decision. Not a bad decision. No, it was a great decision, yeah. in my opinion. So, uh, I got a couple more, but I don't know if yeah. you had any more yourself. That you want uh, to have Jushin Thunder Liger. He was the WCW light heavyweight champion at the same time as the being the IWGP junior heavyweight champion. So, uh, he wasn't a double champion in one company, but he was, he did hold two championships at once. I also think he was the man to beat Ultimate Dragon for the J-Crown. Ah, I, I believe so. Yeah. i got to double-check that, but I'm pretty sure he was. Uh, I'm going to go to the same type of concept but uh, as Jericho, but a little bit different because it's in the same company. But uh, 2013, when Orton beat John Cena to be... Come the first quote unquote WWE World Heavyweight Champion. When they consolidated mm. the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship, uh, technically that was two titles coming together again. Yeah. So that, that was actually, uh, everyone was pissed about Daniel Bryan kind of being buried after that. That I don't think many remember. Was it the very next pay per view? I, th- I think that they decided to unify the titles, and it's like, man, what the hell? I remember being pissed about that that Daniel Bryan was kind of like forgotten about because he beat John Cena at SummerSlam for the title like he was actually the champion before Orton cashed in on him and then boom they go right to the Cena Orton match and I'm like what the hell what about Daniel Bryan I remember being angry about that but yeah that's a good point forgot about that around that time frame this time it wasn't just Orton who carried two belts this time it was three guys who carried two belts technically four if you count Lesnar but Orton then he lost to Daniel Bryan, who carried the two belts. Then, then Cena won it when Daniel Bryan got hurt. Mm-hmm. Cena won the vacant titles. He carried them to SummerSlam, got his ass beat by Brock Lesnar, <laughs> who held two belts for probably one night until WWE was like, here's one big belt. Oh, not one, mm-hmm. one big belt. There's one nicer belt with the new WWE logo on it. That's when they changed logos, if you recall. They had like yeah. a more. They got rid of the scratch logo and got yeah. the logo they have today, and the belt they have today. Uh, so he started carrying the one belt. Uh, so yeah, I guess you know that's when they finally got rid of the two. But yeah, uh, technically, if you go by the fact that it was the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship, at least Orton, I guess you can technically say was a double champion, right? And they carried two belts. So I'm going with that. All right, I guess if you want to go that way, sure. <laughs> Maybe we're stretching the rules a little bit here, but. <laughs> You know, two belts. No. Well, I'll say a true if, double if, champion. Look, look, if Ultimate Dragon <laughs> had one, if he had eight belts at the same time and all of them together was called the J Crown, they were technically one big, one title, but there were eight belts. Like, I think we can do it with the Undisputed and the WWE World Heavyweight I think you found the only loophole you could use in that this conversation. <laughs> I guess, but... That might be the I'm only using one. <laughs> yeah. I'm using it regardless. <laughs> you are. You are. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you your pa- your passion for the loophole. Um, I, You know, I don't know if I necessarily... I'm going to end it on this note or if you have more, but... <sighs> Becky Lynch. Like the best mm-hmm. recent... In recent memory, Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion, a true double champion because these weren't unified. I remember (laughs) the discussion leading up to WrestleMania was, are they going to unify the belts if 
one because both were on the line because uh, they had Charlotte win the title just so both titles would be on the line. I liked that idea. I think creatively it was fine. I understand why people were against it, but the fact that Becky Lynch, by winning the first all-women's main event in WrestleMania history, became a double champion, I, I think that I think that's just cool. That's a cool moment in history. I think you you set a point to where that happens, and you can point to it no matter where you are in history. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, you point to that moment. So Becky Lynch is Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion, top of my list. While that was a cool moment for Becky Lynch to be to have both titles, I still think it should have been Becky versus Ronda one-on-one. I would have liked that too, based on the story, based on creative. I think that was the best option, but um, I I do understand why they did what they did, but uh, I agree I, with I, you. I, I think don't. the best option was Becky and Ronda one on one. I still don't. I think that that was Becky and Ronda was the match people wanted to see. Charlotte just got tossed in for whatever reason. Well, I guess I, because I, they they already had this plan, and then Becky. God forbid, got over organically with the crowd, and oh my god, she got hurt, and it's like, all right, we gotta, you know, buy time. So it just made sense to have Becky versus Ronda and just switch out, you know, because Flair went against Ronda at Survivor Series, and but I don't, uh, they felt the need to include Charlotte for whatever reason, but definitely the money there was Becky versus Ronda. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to stick with the women real quick. I got one more after this, but I'm going to stick with the women. I'm going to stick with Paige 2014. Remember this? Yes, she I do. first debuted her first night on the main roster. She beat AJ Lee uh, the night after WrestleMania for the WWE then Divas Championship. Remember the butterfly belt? Yeah. Probably the ugliest title belt in WWE history and wrestling history. Honestly, that belt was big trash I hope WWE sold a lot of toys off of that because that's, that's <laughs> the only reason that belt was around. That yeah, belt they, sucked. They ever, it was around way too long. I'm glad they got rid of it in 20, was 2016, WrestleMania 32 or whatever, when they came yeah. off the WWE, the Women's Championship. It might have been but, um, 15, or maybe, maybe it was 16. No, it was yeah. 16. It, it was, was 32, so yeah. Yeah, 2016, yeah, right. but yeah. the Butterfly belt was horrible. Uh, but when she won that title, she was also still the NXT Women's Champion. So she had at least for a little mm. while. I don't know how. I forget how long. But she was a double champion for technically for you know a limited amount of time. But yeah, Paige, 2014. But I'm gonna end it on this note here. And we spent the whole effing show talking about people, but we didn't mention the whole effing show. <laughs> Rob Van Dam. Who was a double champion and twice in separate companies. Hmm. Right? 98 when Rob Van Dam was the world television champion in ECW. For a short period of time, he was also a tag team champion with Sabu. Remember that? I I for did they win the tag titles? Yes. Wow. I missed that one. I'm going to look it up again just to make sure that I'm not sure. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, giving me the benefit of the doubt, but I remember doing a search on like ECW double champions and nothing came up. So maybe I didn't they do my research titles. enough. They won the titles on June 27th, 1998. Oh, he definitely was double champ then because he was yeah. 
the whole entire year he was basically a television champ. Exactly. And I can look it up on WWE website. They got the, the, the television and the... the I will uh, say the ECW tag titles were cool because they looked like the Intercontinental title design. They, were pretty much, they pretty much were the Intercontinental yeah. titles, just <laughs> with a different little, little, little tweaks here and there. I don't think they have the ECW tag titles on WWE's website. That's kind of silly. Oh, come on, man. Don't do they Paul, only got the, Paul like that. They only got the, the heavyweight and the TV title. That's That sucks. Trash. But, oh, either way. Uh, They're trying to kill yeah. tag team wrestling. The best. It's... Sabu and Rob Van Dam won those titles twice. By the way. June 28th, 1998. December 13th, 1998. Mm. So... Um, that second title ring came in Japan. Apparently, they wanted that ECW FMW Super Show. Hmm. I'll tell you, there Rob you Van Dam was a big reason why I watched ECW at that point. He was—I remember was a almost every show. every week. It was like him versus Jerry Lynn at like every single event. <laughs> that might have been nineteen ninety-nine, but. Yeah, he at, even the ECW World uh, TV title reminded me of the WWF World Title. Uh, it did the classic <laughs> one, did. you know. Like so, you know. I was like, man, he could be world champion someday, and he was. <laughs> it definitely had uh, yeah, those type of types of vibes to him that the WWE title vibes to him. Uh, but also, Rob Van Dam was a w, a double champion in WWE. How many people Whoa. have been double champion in multiple promotions? Well, Robin Dan can say he was because he was on the night he he went into what was a one night stand in 2006 as the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. Mm-hmm. Or no, take that back. He beat John Cena to become the WWE Champion, but they also kind of christened the new ECW title at the same time because they were relaunching the ECW brand. Right. Yeah. So he was walking around at one time. As the WWE and the ECW champion at the same time. Yeah, I do remember. And then that. he got popped with marijuana and he <laughs> lost both titles in consecutive nights, pretty Second, much. Yeah. So. I do remember that and being really confused because uh, that happened in Philly, if I remember correctly, where yep. he, he lost both. And I was like, what the hell? Or at least what, maybe that Monday Night Raw where he lost uh, the WWE title and then the next night he lost the ECW title. It was like, wait, what the hell's going on? And I think. We found out the next day or the next few days that it was because he was suspended, but it probably wouldn't happen today. Probably just a sign of the times in 2006 where marijuana was still looked down upon, but not so much today. Not so much today, but back then it was, and it kind of thwarted Rob Van Dam's pretty much the most prominent run of his career. Maybe not the best run from a uh, you know, a stylistic standpoint, a creative standpoint, but from a prominent standpoint, he was a WWE champion and an ECW champion at the same time. Yep. I mean, it won't, it Doesn't won't get be bigger better than, than that. that. No. <laughs> you know, he could become as, Impact champion right now, but I don't think it would quite have the allure of uh, 2006. <laughs> no. no it, was, it wasn't quite the same, but uh, yeah, so that's Rob Van Dam, the whole effing show. That's how I wrap up my list of prominent slash memorable 
multi multi title champions in WWE, ECW, and even WCW history. And you mentioned TNA as well. So yeah. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up here, Nick? You know, from a creative standpoint, I would like to see. I think Bailey's been doing a great job as SmackDown Women's Champion and Women's Tag Team Champion with Sasha. How about we have? You know, I, I originally thought the blow off uh, and Sasha winning the title would be at SummerSlam, but I'm not sure what they're going to do creatively now. But I, I think that should be the end game. So I would love to see them do something a little differently, not have them lose the tag titles before they have a match against each other, but have a match against each other, have Sasha beat Bailey, then start having Bailey, you know, jealous but acting like she's not. And then eventually mm. losing the tag team titles, and then maybe having a one on one feud with Sasha as the champion. Uh, I don't think okay. we really see that too much. I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind it if they do do it the predictable way, with you know losing the tag titles and then they break up as a team. But I think doing it a little differently uh, would be cool. So we'll see what they what they do in the next uh, few weeks or months, but. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. That's probably the best thing on WWE TV right now. It honestly is. I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be upset if they had Sasha win the Raw Women's Championship. I understand Oscar's got the title, and I love Oscar, but just to have them kind of be, you know, a top women's act or top act. Period. You don't see like a top like a women's act be like that prominent in WWE. Just haven't seen it really uh, lately, at least. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Bella Twins, but like. Sasha and Bailey, I think, could be from a creative standpoint way better than that. Um, so to have them walking around with all the gold, I think, would be dope. But I do like your take on it in that they could, you know, have them have a match and have the title switch, but they still like kind of together. But you know, there's friction, and then you know, kind of have the uh, uh, still a slow burn happening with you know them. But to me, honestly. Uh, I think Voices of Wrestling asked this question on Twitter. It's like, what is the big match WWE can do right now? Like, that's going to make people really want to watch. And honestly, the biggest match they can do right now is Sasha Banks versus Bailey. <laughs> and because they kept them together so long, and now they're at like they're running, they're running hot, they're white hot right now. Even though there's no fans in the stands, I think the fact you know, if you look at one act that has benefited from this these performance center shows. It's Sasha Banks and Bella because you can, without a crowd, there's a more of a focus on what they're doing and what they're saying. And I think it's paying off big time because they're just given the freedom now to do whatever they want. And because they're so good now, the payoff of their eventual breakup means even more. And it's not just, so you got that from a story standpoint of it's going to be really meaningful when it's ever, whenever this breaks up because they're the tag champions they've beaten everybody they feel like they're the best in the world and best of all time they're talking big trash uh some people uh randy cruz friend of the show who said you know they they remind him of d generation x Uh, he calls him (laughs) she generation x and they kind of do have like a 97 dx kind of vibe to them a little bit it's a pg version of it um they don't have a heater uh necessarily like china was 97 but point is that they have that they think they're they're, they're, they're rolling hot right now. So from a story standpoint, when they eventually break up, it's going to mean even more. But also, let's not forget, these two together can tear the whole damn house down in the ring. 
I mean, tear it down, leave nothing left but the foundation. I mean, let's not forget what they did in 2015 at TakeOver in Brooklyn. I mean, arguably still to this day one of the best women's matches I've ever seen. Then they followed it up with an Iron Man match, which was also one of the best women's matches I've ever seen. So yeah, I agree. I think to me, at that point, right now, at this point I should say, that's the honestly the biggest match WWE can do right now that's going to make people go, yes, I want. I will go out of my way to see that. Not Drew McIntyre, not Braun Strowman. Not Bray Wyatt, not Seth Rollins, not Charlotte, even though she's on the sidelines right now. Get well soon, Charlotte, by the way, uh, with all the things she's got going on. But not Becky Lynch, who also is, you know, pregnant and on the sidelines. So have a healthy baby, <laughs> Becky Lynch. <laughs> but even though those big names are out there and, you know, they can probably use some of those big names and some combination the biggest match that people are most invested in, or would be most invested in, is Becky, is Bailey and Sasha Banks. Yeah, and I'll give kudos to WWE because the way they've booked them has finally, finally, you, you have a storyline that's really any wrestling fan should like and you know be able to follow easily. Um, it's not hard to figure out. And uh, two of the best women's wrestlers on the planet. So I agree 100% with what you said. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that was our multi-champion discussion. That was our multi-champion discussion, I should say. Uh, Again, before we wrap up this whole show, I mean, besides Bailey and Sasha Banks, any final thoughts at all on what we talked about or any surprises along the way? Uh, I think, uh, you know, you bringing up RVD at the very end kind of reminds me of, you know, that was basically ECW from 1998 onward. You know, they he might have not been the world heavyweight champ, but, you know, they had Shane Douglas and Taz and then, like, Mike Awesome and all this. But for me, Rob Van Dam was the ECW mainstay, and he never made it to WCW or WWF until ECW went out of business. So you know that... Um, to me, ECW was RVD. So you bringing that up just kind of reminded me of those times where, you know, even with them on TNN, uh, you know, he was there every single week, and uh, he was the guy. So uh, one of the one of the best. And uh, even though he's not nearly the same he was, him and Impact is still kind of I don't know, kind of funny to me, I guess, seeing him against Shamrock that are still like wrestling and Impact, but. Um, it's just funny. It's just funny. That's all I have to say. It's just funny. <laughs> all right. Well, that was our discussion. Yeah. Double I, I might have to. And... I'll have to name this like multi champions and flower show or something like that. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Have to, like, we gave a lot of we gave a lot of that. flowers away on the show. Man. Yeah. It was. It was. It was a good. It feels good to give people their flowers. It does. It does. We appreciate. It really does. We appreciate them. Yeah, we appreciate it. Hopefully they realize that. We appreciate you. You know, who else we miss? Booker T. Booker T on commentary. I appreciate you. (laughs) Not Booker T or King Booker. I'm not not talking about that. They they got their flowers. Booker (laughs) T on commentary. Get your flowers. Ultimate Dragon. Tatsumi Fujinami. Landstorm. Get your flowers. (laughs) (laughs) Come Come on down and get your flowers. 
But uh, <laughs> uh, with that, we shall wrap it up for episode two forty-three. So Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. You can follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter and follow me at Nick Bacone on Twitter. Also check out phillyinfluencer.com and phillyvoice.com and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash shootersradio. And, uh, you know, can't wait to unveil a new logo in the coming days, hopefully sooner than later, but we're, we're big fans of it. We're going to overhaul the look and uh, it's going to be awesome. All right. I'm at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. Uh, if I'm not there, uh, you probably won't find me out here in the streets, honestly. I won't be out there too much. So uh, check me out at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. You check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash shootersradio. Of course, you can find our archived episodes, all of our prior episodes on shootersradio.com. Uh, like Nick said, check us out on Twitter and Facebook and a whole bunch of other platforms out there. Wherever you can find your podcast, that's where we are. We are where you are. So check us out and all of them subscribe. I like rate, that. I like that. We review. are where we are. We are where you are. Yeah, we're your friends. We are where we where you are. So uh, take us with you wherever you go uh, <laughs> here during this quarantine, even if it's going nowhere. You know, take us with you. So in the meantime, until next time, for Nick McCone, I'm Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 243 of The Straight Shooters. And we'll catch you all again next week. Peace.